Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Happy New Year. I know it's our second week back, but I got a special show today. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings. And today we're going to deal with the Rooney Rule. This is hiring season in the NFL. We've seen the firing season happen basically on Black Monday. Two gentlemen that have been talking about the Rooney Rule since its inception, especially the last couple of years, are joining me on this special podcast. Jeremy Drury's professor of law, Washington College of Law, American University, has been advising the Fritz Powered Alliance for years, has been all over this issue. And then the son of the architect and author of the Rooney Rule, someone named Rooney himself, Jim Rooney, son of Dan Rooney, is going to be on the pod as well, talking about how his father developed the rule, the issues involved in maintaining the rule, how it's affected his own family and his own life as we go forward. This is a special podcast about the Rooney Rule, and I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get to Jim Rooney and Jeremy Drury. I'd like each of you guys to sort of explain how you got involved. I know, Jim, your name is going to be functional of that, but uh, how you got involved in what you're focusing on now in this cop, this topic and this conversation. I'll start with you, Jeremy. Great. Well, Andrew, thanks for having uh, us on here. And I've had so many conversations with you over the years about these issues, but never had a chance to be on the podcast. I'm super excited about it. Um, so I, you know, I started as a as a practicing lawyer. I was doing employment discrimination work um, on the defense side. I wasn't happy with it. Went to the plaintiff side, representing folks who were discriminated against based on race and gender. And I came to the small uh, law firm in Washington D.C. Um, called Marion Scallett. And just as I got to the firm, some coaches from the National Football League expressed concerns about their inability to kind of break the glass ceiling as the coaches who were of color. And they started having conversations with the firm. I was asked to work on the matter. Um, and I've been dealing with this issue since then. So that was the origin of organization called the Fritz Pollard Alliance, which is the organization that represents coaches and executives and scouts of color in the National Football League. And I served as their counsel beginning then going forward for about 18 years. I've written about this topic. I follow the head coaching carousel uh, so closely. My wife wonders what's always happening to me in early January when I'm just, my face is, is in, in the computer and uh, trying to figure out what moves are made and why they're made. Um, and through the work that I've done, um, Jim and I linked up because of the work that, that he's done. So maybe I'll pass it on to him. Uh, thanks, Jeremy and Andrew. Thanks for having us. It's great, great to see you. Great to talk to you. So, uh, yeah, you know, Jeremy and I's paths have crossed over the years many times, but we didn't really know each other until, you know, I decided to write a book about my father and, uh, I wanted to tell the story a little bit differently. There's been several things that talk about my grandfather and my father and the Steelers, right. but I really felt that the, the work he did around the Rooney rule was more important to society. Love the Steelers, love the NFL, but but um, you know really could have a bigger impact. And and it being in sports, it's something that that you know certainly the three of us share a love for. But but understand that you know it is a model that that it's something we all look to. So so could we sort of use that as a platform to speak, hopefully to to doing a better job in 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 football and in sports in general, but also 
you know, to, to sort of leverage this conversation beyond because because everyone really or so many people throughout the country look at sports. And, and so, you know, I, I got to know Jeremy and and he helped me actually with the chapter or, or the section of the book, which is the final part of the book that that focuses on the Rooney rule and and why we want to get better outcomes. And then since that time, uh, we've been been sort of on this this speaking tour and it was just a little bit of book promotion and then you know you had the you had the the horrible uh events of of George Floyd and and all of a sudden people from from a whole different set of spaces started asking Jeremy and I to to work together and talk together so we've probably talked to thousands of student groups um several major corporations and 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 a couple headline conferences and you know it's really been a, a joy to try and take my fa- you know tough subject but to try and take my father's work forward in the way that we have yeah there's so much to unpack here jim especially being in the nfl with the packers i have these vague recollections and i'm trying to you tell me i think it was the early 2000s about hey guys we got this thing the rooney rule now and it's Dan Rooney, the Steelers, and we're going to do this, and we have to interview uh, candidates of color, and we're going to do this. And I remember we actually went through a change at the Packers. We fired Mike Sherman, ended up hiring Mike McCarthy, but it was in our sort of discussions, okay, that was the first time, and it was soon after the, the rule was implemented, where we were interviewing candidates of color. I remember Ron Rivera was in interview with us. Um, so take us back, Jim, when you remember that happening and sort of how it got crystallized from whether it's your father's brain or your collective brain into an NFL rule known as the Rooney rule. Yeah. And look, certainly there were, were a lot of people involved. I'll let Jeremy talk about some of the outside folks from outside the league that really pushed and, and, and we wouldn't have a Rooney rule if there wasn't these external pushes, but, but from an internal standpoint, you know, a couple of the key people, uh, you know, were, were certainly my father, but Paul Tagliabu, Mm -hmm. uh, the league used to have, uh, have a lawyer who passed away named Ted Williamson and he worked with uh, Jeff Pash. And so, uh, they actually responded to to a uh, academic study done at the University of Pennsylvania that really you know laid out why this was a problem and and the fact that that when hiring minority coaches they 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 wait longer to to get opportunities and they're actually more effective um, while being fired at that at that higher success rate and and why are these things happening and and so I think that's a really important place for the Rooney rule. I also look at my father's experience, and I think this is why Commissioner Tagliabu sort of picked him to lead this effort is, as, as you know, Andrew, we, we, we were okay back in the 70s. But the, the biggest differentiator that people don't realize is we drafted more players from the HBCUs, the historically black colleges, than any other team from 68 to 80. And, you know, you, you had the transition in the big schools to, 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 from, you know, to desegregate. But but there was still so much talent that, as you well know, you know, if, if you're not looking at talent, you, you're, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And we had this tremendous advantage because of one of our scouts, Bill Nunn, and, and my father really sort of led the effort of bringing Bill in. And so so that team was one of the 
you know, you, you had you had a lot of individuals that that had, you know, uh, crossed the, the color barrier since the late 40s. But we became one of the, the first uh, championship teams that really were highly integrated. And, and there was a clear path of, of why and how that came about. So I think the logic there uh, really drove some of some of Commissioner Tagley who's thinking of, of putting this committee together and asking my father to be the, the head of it. And maybe, Jeremy, you can I think we have a lot of listeners that are invested in sports, but maybe not to the degree as, as we are in terms of crystallizing for our listeners. What is and maybe this is a tough question because what was has been and will be maybe different. The Rooney Rule. Sure. So the Rooney Rule, the, the key concept, Andrew, at the core of the Rooney Rule is that. We want to open the interview process to folks who might otherwise not get in the door. And the way in which that is systematized under the rule is that at least one person, when the rule was first instituted in 2003, the rule stated that at least one person of color must be interviewed for all head coach openings in the league. The idea is we get a person of color in the room who might not have gotten in the room and maybe they'll have a better chance of getting the job. And we saw increases in the number of coaches of color um, who took the helm as head coaches uh, as the rule um, was implemented. Um, It got expanded after three or four years, Andrew, to the general manager position. So then you had to have at least one person of color interviewed for a general manager position. Those numbers increased as well. Um, For 10 years or so, the NFL was a flag bearer for equal opportunity and diversity among coaches and front office personnel across all of American sports. Well, we saw 2017, 2018, we started to see some uh, backsliding. Um, And there are a number of reasons for the backsliding. We can talk about it perhaps. But as a consequence of that backsliding, of the numbers going down, of uh, coaches of assistant coaches of color um, not getting opportunities, the Rooney Rule was uh, augmented, was enhanced. And so the rule I described got altered such that if you're looking for a head coach, you must interview two candidates of color for the position. And the thinking there is based in the scholarship. The scholarship tells us there are a few studies out of Harvard that tell us that when you have only one person of color in an otherwise homogenous pool of candidates, that one person of color is automatically otherized, viewed mm-hmm. as that token individual. Whereas if you have more than one person of color, then the candidates of color in the pool, no matter how large, stand a better chance. So the league expanded the rules such that there are two can- they have to have two head coach candidates of, uh, uh, of color um, for every opening. Um, and expanded the rules so that if you're on the business side looking for a president, an EVP on the business side, that you have to have at least one person of color or one woman. Okay, so that's an extension of the rule. Now the rule, as of three months ago, was expanded because the NFL has not seen the gains it wanted to see uh, that with respect to the head coaching position, offensive, defensive, and special teams coordinators and general manager, you have to have two in the pool, two people of color interviewed for the position for the reasons I mentioned uh, earlier. And you still have the rule on the business side that you have to have one person of color and one woman uh, uh, interviewed. So there's been a progression. I'm glad. Uh, I like the way you put it, Andrew. It, it was, it is, and what will it be? Maybe we'll get yeah. to that. But the Rooney Rule has progressed, um, uh, and the league is, has has propelled it 
with the hope of discovering gains that the past iteration of the rule wasn't able to get us. And I guess we're at the point now, I just want to ask, I'll ask you this, Jim, has it worked? I mean, I remember the Mike Tomlin situation where everything I heard, this guy walks in maybe as a quote unquote Rooney rule candidate and knocked everyone's socks off and the rest is history with Mike Tomlin. But I also have heard and more often, you know, this is too strong a word, but a sham interviews, right? Where candidates of color are being interviewed without any realistic chance of getting the job and maybe just to check the box that they did that. So I guess the question is, from your point of view, you have the Tomlin example, you have all these other examples. Has it been working before these changes that we're just talking about, Jeremy was talking about just now? And is there a better way to ensure it works? And maybe that's what we're doing, dealing with right now. So such a great question, Andrew. And there's, there's so many layers and, and I can share, you know, a bunch of Dan Rooney examples, which is sort of, you know, place I've spent a lot of time studying, you know, you know, my father was sort of famous for hiring these three coaches. Now it's over 50 years. Right. In each of those and, and including Bill Nunn, who was hired as, as, as a top scout, you know, you, you had a process that was conducted that was much longer and and in general, you know, reviewed more candidates than I think a lot of teams would look at. You look at the Bill Cowher hiring, you know, Joe Green, who we all wanted, was part of the process. So 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 the the Rooney rule, you know, went back to in many ways, and there as I said, there are certainly experts from all over the country that got involved. But my father looked at you know, what did he try to do and why was it effective? And it was effective at getting good, you know, good coaches who weren't minorities, you know, Chuck Nolan, Bill Cowher, but it also allowed a slower process where, you know, the, the natural biases that we all have, um, you know, we're, we're going to have those, but that we could get past them and we really could get to know someone. And if you look at Mike, yes, I think my father, the minute my father talked to Mike, I think there was an energy there that was special, but, we actually had, had like 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 you folks had, I think the year before, um, you know, up in Green Bay, we we'd interviewed Coach Rivera, who is an excellent coach. At the early stage in the process, though, uh, you know, Kevin Colbert, who's our general manager, had brought. I think we started with thirty-seven candidates, wow. twelve of whom were, were minorities. So you had a you you know you had a much larger pool. I don't know what everyone else does, but my father, Kevin, my brother Art you know, they were, they were very, very patient and they, dad had done that twice before. And so I think there is, there is the technical part of the rule that, that Jeremy talks about, but there is the implementation of it. And, and I think one thing we don't do well, um, and in this business, and then when we look at this in, in the workplace in general is if, if we are pushed to make a decision that otherization that Jeremy talked about plays out in ourselves. And we're going to hire someone that looks like us, that feels like us, that makes us feel comfortable. And so, so uh, I'm, I'm not totally answering your question. We can stay with it because it's a great question. But what I saw done well very much had to do with not just the technical part of the rule, but, but you know, be, the procedural part, but really being committed to a process where, you know, the biases that, that we all have do not 
over you know, overwhelm the decision making of, of the hire. Yeah, and I guess Jeremy, how do you prevent? And and this may be an impossible question. Those when those inherent biases are so overwhelming, you know, where where Mark Davis, I know his name has been tarred this year, but Mark Davis had his eye on John Gruden for how many years? And once John Gruden said, "Okay, I'll coach," you know, whoever Mark Davis was going to interview as part of that hire, white, black, Hispanic women was not going to be a realistic candidate. So in, the, in those may be outliers or maybe they're not uh, where you just feel like, you know, what are these interviews really all about? Yeah. So um, I don't, you know, I don't think they're outliers. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think they're the majority, but I don't think they're outliers, Andrew. And um, I think the way that you described the Gruden hire is accurate. Um and your, you know, your question is, what do we do to avoid that happening? Uh, the first thing is that the NFL should come down on a club that engages in a clearly sham process. Um, you just described the process well. The NFL did not come down on the Raiders. Mm-hmm. There was a complaint made by the Fritz Pollard Alliance directly to the league that this was an end around the Rooney rule. The Rooney rule was flouted. It was flouted in spirit and in text. Uh, in text, because under the rule, uh, the same person who interviews uh, a white candidate is to interview the candidate of color. But in fact, the general manager interviewed two candidates of color. Mark Davis interviewed Gruden. So as a textual matter, mm-hmm. the rule was violated. But as a, in spirit, as you described it, the rule was clearly violated. But the NFL didn't come down with, uh, you know, with any sort of penalty. Found that the club had not violated the rule. And consequently, I think a lot of clubs' view after that was, well, you know, maybe the league isn't that serious about this rule anymore. We don't have to really focus on it. We'll try to check the boxes, but maybe we don't have to focus on it. So the first thing is for the league to be strong in its implementation and enforcement of the rule. Then the other piece of it is the problem, of course, is because it's a state of mind rule. You know, you and I, Andrew, could talk from now until next never, as my wife would say, which means from now until ever, you know, forever um, about, you know, whether we like um, uh, uh uh, the house that's next door to us. And you could say all the right things about liking it, um, but you might really not like it, but I'll never know it because of what you say and what you do. So a club can have a perfectly beautiful process, but at core, the owner knows I'm not hiring a person of color, right? There's no way for the NFL as an enforcement body to get to that right. uh, owner. So to get to that owner, we have to use reason. We have to use reason that is to say diversity fishing in the whole pond having a broad inclusive search will make you better as a bottom line you are not being a rational actor if you are going to exclude someone from consideration because of what they look like now as you point out andrew some bases uh, biases are so deeply held you can't get to them Might there be some people who aren't impacted even by that? Yes, because racism is irrational. But for the rational actor, it's critical for us to impress upon them that this can make you better. It can be a separator to have a deliberate, intentional, and inclusive process to try to get the best person for the job, 
not necessarily the person who you think at first blush you like the most. It's really interesting because I remember this is kind of the opposite story, but I'd like your comment on this. When I was talking to Bill Polian back in the early 2000s or whatever it was, he talked about when he was at Indianapolis and he needed a coach and 10 days after he needed a coach, Tampa Bay surprisingly fired Tony Dungy. And he said within six minutes, he offered him whatever he wanted, right? Like <laughs> you're coming to Indy, it's over. Um, I guess that's, that's the Mark Davis thing with John Gruden in the other way, right? And it could happen with a candidate of color. But I think your point is you've got to have a mindset to be open-minded about the pool. Yeah, that's right. And I would say that no matter who it is that you want, whether it's a person of color, someone who's not a color, or a woman, someone who's not a, someone who's not a woman, um, uh, you should cast a wide net mm -hmm. and then draw your conclusion. In the end, we know Tony Dungeon's extraordinary coach. He went on to win a Super Bowl. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, but the best practice is to have the full interview slate. And I think in the case of Tony Dungy, what that would do is convince Polian even more firmly that he's the person for the position. I want to double back to what you just said about the Mark Davis situation. I don't mean to harp on John Gruden's uh, coaching hire, but you said that there wasn't the enforcement angle from the league, right? So yeah. teams look at it and say, hey, you know, they focused on Gruden. They didn't get any kind of sanction. Are we in a different place now? If that uh, situation were to happen next week, are we in a different place? Boy, I really hope so. Time will tell on that. I really hope so. Um, and it may be that experience has been the teacher on that front. So I'm not going to suggest that last year uh, the owner in Jacksonville zeroed in on Urban Meyer in the same way that um, the Raiders seem to have zeroed in on John Gruden. But, boy, it really seemed like Ur Urban Meyer was in the, the driver's seat from the very beginning of that search and didn't really seem like others had a true opportunity. I could be wrong. I wasn't in the rooms, Andrew, but that's the way it's been. Right. Um, and that has been a total disaster by everybody's assessment. And sure. what we're seeing this year is Shad Khan going through the most beautiful and meticulous and inclusive and deliberate and intentional process. Having interviewed several candidates already, he will be interviewing more, some of color, not of color. Now, what that tells me is that the owner in Jacksonville learned a lesson. He did it the wrong way, the outcome was bad, and now he's doing it the right way. So what we have the opportunity to see, you know, in my view, is the Rooney Rule as it's supposed to operate as instituted by a person who suffered the consequences of doing it improperly previously. And Jim, Jim your thoughts? Yeah, let me, let me jump in on that, Andrew. So, so the other important thing is, you know, you've 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 moved out of football and into journalism. Um, they say you have some interest in getting back in, which which I, I, I wish you the best, whichever way you go there. But but what you're doing is really important. You know, there there are there, there's certainly people with with bigger names than Jeremy and I out there doing the same thing. But but, you know, I feel like there's a lot of voices willing to say, you know, we have to look at this differently. This person is, is doing something that, that, that isn't working. 
and 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 call people out. I think the Eric Bieniemy situation needs to be called out over and over again. You know, you know, you you're a football guy. I mean, interviews are important, but performance is really important. Eric's right. performance in the last three playoffs, um, you know, he didn't have a line really last year, but has has you know merits a head coach with without any interview. And I, I'm I'm not I'm not advocating for no interview, but you you have to look at some of these things and say why in the world is this not happening? And forums like yours are so critical um, because because as Jeremy said, look, look the the league has given. Commissioner Goodell more power than he's ever had to 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 come in and and you know have a say on the Rooney Rule and, and on diversity hiring and I think that's a really good thing, um, but but I think all that has to do with the fact that that you know there, there's advocacy on the field for some some really important issues and that's great, but in these spaces where folks are talking about the business of the league that they have this same type of commitment to an issue that I think is, it, it makes football better. I mean, I, I, th- as far as I'm concerned, Mike Tomlin, you know, Tony Dungy, Bill Nunn, you know, they, those folks demonstrate it to me, but it's also the right thing to do. And, and, you know, so, so I really appreciate you having us on and that, 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 you know, we continue to look at this process and we call it out when it's, when it's not done well. We'll get back to Jeremy and Jim in a minute. First, a word from AutoZone. At AutoZone, you can shop your way, no matter what your way is. If you're more of a today person and want to get what you need as soon as possible, then you can order online and pick it up fast with their same-day store pickup. No waiting in lines, no shopping through the store for 20 minutes because you can't find an obscure part or refuse to ask for help. That sounds like me. Or you're more of a tomorrow person, job can wait. You can order what you need on AutoZone with next-day delivery, free. You can even order as late as 10 p.m. Your package will arrive the next day right on time. Like if it's late, you realize you forgot something you needed for the job and don't feel like going back to the store. You're too tired. Again, that sounds like me as well. Every car is different. That means every car job is too. That's why AutoZone offers you more ways to shop your way. They've got 6,000 stores nationwide to help you at a moment's notice. So you've got that going for you too, which is nice. So next time you're starting a job, start by shopping it your way with AutoZone.com. Free same-day pickup free next day delivery get in the zone auto zone um any issues and i don't know how the rooney rule has addressed this guys with the flores firing and when you see candidates of color get fired where you or your group collectively thinks not the most fair firing any uh any thoughts on that jeremy yeah, so it's interesting, Andrew. So, um, you know, with respect to terminations like this, um, mm-hmm. it's obviously difficult um, and it's critical. The Fritz Potter Alliance does a good job of working with the um, terminated coach to seek out other opportunities. Um, but it's because there's so little that can be done at this stage, <laughs> at the termination stage, um, and so little that can be done um, when a candidate of color doesn't get an opportunity um, to lead the team, that the Rooney Rule came into play. So the Rooney Rule is a process-oriented rule because lawsuits with respect to a termination like this are hardly ever going to be successful. 
it, you know, the courts are extremely deferential to employers when it comes to their reasons for hiring or promoting or demoting or firing somebody. And they're even more deferential in the sports world because courts feel like, wow, I don't understand sports. I don't want to try to right. walk behind those decisions. So because it's so hard to do anything at this stage, the folks who got the Rooney rule going, Jim mentioned his father on one side. Uh, the lawyer Cyrus Mary and Johnny Cochran and, and John Wooten, the great personnel guy, um, on the other side, pushed for a kind of preemptive attempt to diversify. Since on the back end, it's hard to get um, it's hard to get justice. So at this point, there's not much that can be done. I, I just saw something scroll across the screen that uh, Flores is interviewing with Chicago. I'm not sure if you all saw that. I think I just saw that. Uh, so perhaps he'll have the same sort of experience Tony Dungy had, being terminated and then hired back in the same season. It would certainly seem that he'd merit that sort of opportunity. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, as we look towards the cycle, we have, I guess, including Jacksonville. We don't know what's going to happen with Las Vegas, of course. Uh, five head coach openings. I believe three general manager openings at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and you mentioned the Bears. I saw they not only Brian Flores, but they're interviewing both, uh, both Tampa coordinators who are of color. Um, so I guess you talked about Jacksonville. It looks like Chicago. Uh, I guess I'm commending because it just sounds like at least those two are, are being very open, comprehensive, and inclusive. Uh, any thoughts otherwise on as we go forward the next week, Jim, with this hiring cycle that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks? Sure. So, so in, you know, in Chicago, uh, you know, I'm certainly not going to comment on a specific interview, but, but, you know, Bill Polian, when they created the owners committee, the diversity committee that my father was the chair, they created a working group, which Bill chaired. So I know this is an important issue mm -hmm. to Bill. And so I feel really good that he's involved in that process and, and makes me feel comfortable that, that, you know, they're going to, to conduct you know, a thorough search that is going to include everyone possible. I mean, Bill would do that regardless, but, but you know, his, his background and his commitment to this is, has been very, very strong. So, so, you know, that's one thing I feel really good about. But I do think there's a, there's a wait and see, you know, uh, issue here. You know, the, 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 the Brian Flores thing, I don't know the details, um, but, you know, it was, it was tough to see that news yesterday. I, 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 I would be lying if I said differently. Um, so, so, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, that, you know, folks really do, you know, follow through on this process. And I hope they think about, you know, the, the, the humanity of this and look, every coach, every person, personnel person, you know, we all have lives and families and everything else, but, but there is, you know, I remember when Tony Dungy was with the Steelers and wouldn't be getting these interviews. You know, he was, a, he was a young coach. He was the youngest defensive coordinator in NFL history back in 82. Um, and it, I think that's another piece that really spurred my father on is, is he would see that, that frustration, that humiliation of someone that he knew mm. absolutely could be a great coach and either wouldn't get an interview or wouldn't get the job. And someone else would, who, who, you know, Tony, Tony has proven for the most part to be better than so, so that there's a, there's an appreciation for us making better football, but also making a better league by doing this right. Well, we're hopeful. And I guess the last question I had, you mentioned 
Jeremy, coordinators, general manager. Is this somehow trickling down, or I guess the word would rather be trickling up? Like, is do you sense from the bottom up, from the pipeline, the grassroots jobs, the area scouts, the the cap people, uh, the the people working in the lower echelons of front offices? Do you sense this building, this diversity hiring building below, or? Because I think sometimes we focus too much on the head coach, the general manager. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get you guys' sense of what's happening below the surface. Yeah, so that's one area where it's a, I'm really glad you asked that question, Andrew, because I think it's an underappreciated um, uh, dynamic of the last 20 years in the NFL. And I would say consequence of the Rooney Rule, which is that those lower positions have become substantially more diverse than they were beforehand. The challenge was it was tough for the folks to get out of those lower positions and into the coordinator positions, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And that's why the league – in fact, when the league began contemplating expanding the the rule to coordinators, the the initial proposal push was just on the offensive side of the ball Hmm. because – and we could talk about this for, you know, for hours, but we – you know. Those of us who know the league well are familiar with the extent to which certain positions, particularly the quarterback position, has been a position that people of color have had a challenge in accessing. And as a consequence of that, you had fewer coaches of color who are quarterback coaches, offensive line coaches, and offensive coordinator. So the proposal from the Fritz Pollard Alliance was, hey, we need to get a Rooney rule applied to the offensive coordinator so that we can start to build up the pipeline on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and the NFL ultimately concluded they were going to apply uh, the expansion of the rule across all coordinators, which I think makes sense. Um, so, uh, yes, there's been an increase in the numbers on the lower level, a bit of a, of a um, I don't know, a ceiling before the, uh, the, the, the coordinator level. And this new uh, expansion of the rule is designed to break that ceiling down so that we can really have the bottom to top flow uh, that you're describing uh, come to fruition. That's great to hear. Andrew, can I jump in one one point on that? Of course. So, so as, as I said, you know, Jeremy and I are talking to all these different groups and big corporate groups and, and law, you know, law uh, conferences. And that's, it's fantastic. But we've, somehow hit this sweet spot. We're speaking to UCLA in a couple of weeks. We have Pepperdine in a couple of weeks, um, Rice. We're talking to schools and, and, and to universities. And the folks at, at that age, the generation that's to come, you know, this is really important to them. There's, there, there are s- such strong um, minority, you know, based on race. And then particularly women voices who want to be engaged in the sports industry you know, and are really, really powerful and, and, you know, using their voices to say, we're only going to work for teams that think this way. Hmm. And so the talent pool, I think, will also, you know, we talk about top down, bottom up, the bottom soon is going to start driving us to do this, or you're not going to have access to some of the best people. It's a great point. And it's so, it's so timely. Uh, Jim and Jeremy, you relate to this. I'm about to go teach my first class of the semester at Villanova, and I looked at the class list. You know, five years ago when I taught sports law, sports business, 50 kids, I'd have 47 guys, three girls, right? 
today it's half and half. It is half and half in my mm -hmm. classes, which is a great thing and a testament to, even to what you guys are doing. I've had the exact same experience, Andrew, in my sports law classes. The same shift. I mean, what you're describing is anecdotal, but I think it's a you know it applies with me. It applies with other sports law scholars I know. Um, there is a movement to make sport more inclusive across yeah. all boundaries, and it's beautiful, you know, to watch it and watch it unfold. You guys have been great. Hey, Jim, I'd be remiss. I'm not going to bring up a bad memory. Sunday night. As a Steelers fan, how did you get through that? <laughs> My wife almost called 911 at about midnight. <laughs> have you, Andrew, I mean, you and I, this, is, this has been our life. I, I, don't, I can't say I've ever seen anything where the whole day was just, you oh know. My God. Perfect storm. I, I did not think, and, and I'm so happy for them and so, so grateful. I did not think Jacksonville had, had really any chance against Indianapolis. So, you know, then the Ravens are, are just always so tough. We're down there and, and, you know, Ben, Ben pulls that out. So then you're feeling pretty good, you know, and uh, <laughs> All you have to do is avoid the tie. Right. And you're up by 12. You're thinking, okay, 12 is a hard number. And then they kick that field goal. And I texted my son in Denver and I said, uh, you know, 15 is a much easier number to hit. And, and you know, there we get 32-32. Oh, and then, oh, my God, then both teams kick a field goal. Yep. Then yep. it's four and a half minutes left. Then they're running the ball. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine your thoughts. I really think, and look, everyone involved is, is are, there's a lot of really good football people there. But I think Brandon Staley, I, I'm really – Really impressed with him. I know strategically people were on his case, but I think he made a decision on the integrity of the game. I think he understood yeah. that if he if he made that, that it was it was about the integrity of the game, and he was going to play to the whistle. And um, you know, I think he deserves some credit for that. I haven't heard that take. In other words, you're saying he sacrificed the playoffs. Basically. I don't think he sacrificed. I think he thought, well, we'll 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 knock them back. It'll be a harder kick. But I think he was thinking, I'm not going to think about a tie. I'm thinking about winning or losing. Yeah. Because I think he, is, he has really been impressive to me all year long, the, 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 the approach to football. He gets, you know, he reminds me in some ways, he, he doesn't have the same, same sort of voice, but of a young Bill Cower. You know, Bill yeah. Cower is all about the integrity of the game and, and playing competitively and and I don't know, that's, that was the sense I had. Do you think, I know we're getting off topic, but before we finish, that Commissioner Goodell would have sanctioned either team or situation had they just run the ball out? I mean, how could you? It's a, it's a you know, it's a legitimate yeah, I mean, play. There's, there's the, the question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, technically, once you got into overtime, they could have taken knees for 10 minutes straight and... What, what could you say? It's a play. In the, you know, you, you never throw the flag any other time on, on that play, you know? So. But you're in. We're in. Exactly. And Ben's career is extended. Exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. Amazing. Well, hey, we, uh, if, we, if we can ever be of help at Villanova, that's um, we, we're never dining there. Love Villanova. Art, my daughter, 
Uh, my brother Art's daughter is a, is a graduate. Um, you know, great, great school, as you, as you well know. Um, I have a lot of friends at Villanova. So, so if uh, oh, I have two two other nephews, my sister's kids went there as well. I think I knew that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I'll bring you guys in, and uh, thanks so much for coming on the pod. So timely, so important. Uh, and I know Jeremy and I've been talking about this for a long time. Great to have you on the podcast. Perfect timing. Appreciate it, guys. You'll be back soon. Hey, real pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Great interview with Jeremy and Jim. Jim Rooney, the Rooney name, just makes it so clear what we're dealing with the Rooney rule. It seems to be working, but there are always going to be hiccups. And these guys are going to be at NFL owners and organizations that try to skirt the rules. It's good to have this watchdog, this group, potential sanctions involved. First, a word from Visa before we wrap up. Overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their business, help them achieve even greater success. Because the more we can empower people, the more we all win. Visa, a network working for everyone. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. I am starting my sports business league next week. Free daily content, not free, sorry, daily content, weekly new, weekly gatherings, monthly lectures. It's all part of the Sports Business League. We'll have the link in the show notes if you want to sign up and get even more of me, more than the podcast, more than the column, and more than the newsletter, which you should get anyway. Sign up at andrew-brandt.com. Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, Andrew Brandt, too. We're ably produced by Brian Neal, music producer Samuel Brandt. And I'll be back. And Apple Podcasts, do me a favor. Share the podcast with somebody. Give us a good rating. Really appreciate it. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Grant. This summer, don't be left without air conditioning. Call Care Heating and Cooling and get on a care plan to protect your family. With a care plan, you get system maintenance and priority service in case of emergency, giving you peace of mind. Plus, a well-maintained air conditioner runs more efficiently and saves you money. At Care, their service technicians are paid to fix your AC, not sell you a new one. And their award-winning team is available seven days a week. Call Care today at 1-800-COOLING or book an appointment online at careheatingandcooling.com. When you need a company you can trust.